Take your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to start there this morning. And uh, again, it's, I, I believe, I know it's the Labor Day weekend. I know we have a lot of families in our church gone. I was looking for our, our children's pastor this morning. They told me she is in, in Tennessee. And I, I just, there's just you know, folks that are not here today. But we're so glad for those of you that are here. I believe you're here for such a time as this. God has brought us here for this time today. And those that you uh, that, that come from the Summer Bash yesterday, if you're visiting today, we're, I guess we're so glad to have you. So make yourself right at home. To, to, our message today is miracle working faith. And, and you know, we've been talking about faith uh, the last uh, few services that I preached. And, and the last two was, you know, seeing through the eyes of faith. See, you know, you have to have eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see. And uh, anybody here believe in miracles? Let me see your hands. You believe in miracles? Now, some people believe, I'm serious, some people believe that miracles have passed away. I don't believe that. I believe that God still does miracles. God's God. He can do anything He wants to. Somebody say amen. Amen. And when people have faith and they cry out to God and have faith in God, and sometimes they're in possible situations, God can turn them around. So the Bible is full of miracles from Genesis to Revelation. I want us to read their text this morning in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4. And here's what the Word of God says. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers' miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. Bow your heads with me, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, O God. And Lord, You are a supernatural God. And you can do exceedingly abundantly above all of our expectations. And God, we're just excited to see what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for that testimony today of healing. And God, I know that you're not only a healing God, but you're a miraculous God. And we just want to give you all the praise. It's nothing that we do, but we give you all the praise. And all God's people said, now let's define some terms here. Notice it says, God also bearing them both with signs. Now, remember the sign that God showed Pharaoh in the Bible as we think about that and, and, and all of those signs that he showed Pharaoh. And why did he do that? To, to show God's power, to let my people go. I'm going to give you a sign, Pharaoh. And he did. That was his sign. And, and to Moses and even Moses to go down there to talk to Pharaoh. And, you know, uh, Moses, like some of us, said, Lord, I, I can't talk to Pharaoh. Who am I? You know, and, and he said, yes, you can. And he said, you know, how will he know that you sent me? He said, well, what's in your hand? He said, it's a staff. He said, cast it on the ground. Cast it on the ground, it become a snake. In other words, here God was showing Moses that, yes, I will show signs of my power. 1 Corinthians 14, 22 says, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, not to them that believe, not to them that believe, notice this, but to them that believe not. So there are signs. So why signs? Signs in the Bible point to God's power. And unfortunately today in some churches and sometimes even in this church, and you know, we have to, we have to you know, keep seeking God that this don't happen. But unfortunately, in many churches in America today, the only signs that you'll see is restroom signs and exit signs. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not talking about them kind of signs. I'm talking about signs of God's power. I'm talking about that there's a, a miracle-working power, that God is still real today, that God is real today. Now, I also want you to notice the word wonders there. You know, you think, well, what's that word, wonders? Now, th- th- there's been t- uh, 
times I've been in, in services, especially spirit-filled services, and, and things have been going on. Matter of fact, when I was in Toronto, I, I went there, and there's some of the things that I didn't understand, and here's what I did. I just wondered. I didn't understand, but I wondered, okay? But it was God's power going on there. I, di- I didn't understand everything. How many of you know God's ways are higher than our ways? See, God's ways are higher than our ways. Now, so let's define miracles, okay? And there's two Greek words there. The first is uh, samion. It means a sign. And then the second one is uh, deutimus. And it's that inherent power capable of reproducing itself. So what's the difference between a healing and a miracle? You say, what is the difference between a healing and a miracle? Well, healing is like this, where a sister... Uh, you know, had cancer and, 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 and prayed and believed God, and God reversed the order of that. And now, you know, she went back to the doctor, and the doctor cannot find cancer cells, cannot find the cancer. She's healed. That's a healing, okay? Well, what's the difference that and a miracle? A miracle is like this. If you didn't have a thumb on your, uh, on your hand, and all of a sudden God grew one, that's a miracle. Because that's a creative power. So it's a little different, okay? But it's, uh, God does miracles. So a miracle is something created. Miracles in the Bible, God changed animal nature. First uh, Samuel 6, 7, 6, 7 through 12 says that God sent two wild cows to carry the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, leaving their calves behind. Now, that, that, that's a miracle. Another miracle, God changed the physical laws in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 4. God made an iron uh, axe head to float like cork on, on the water. In other words, they lost it. They didn't know where it was at. And the men of God came along. A miracle happened, and the iron began to come to the top and float. How many of you know iron doesn't float, okay? So it was naturally, it didn't float, but supernaturally it did, but through a miracle of God. Somebody say amen. And in Exodus, God parted the great Red Sea, and the children of Israel passed uh, over on the other side, okay, and, and, and drowning the Egyptian army. Now, one commentator said, you know, that really wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea, you know, and, 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 and someone else said, well, wow, that was a bigger miracle. So the Reed Sea only having 18 inches of water, and God drowning 10,000 Egyptians in 18 inches of water. Come on, somebody. So that's even a bigger miracle there. So, and also God uh, caused water to come out of the rock, okay? And the children of Israel to drink in the wilderness. The clothes of the children of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness walking around, and their clothes, oh my, stayed on. Shoes for 40, how many of you know your shoes don't last 40 years? Miracles happening. He fed the children of Israel over a million people a daily in the wilderness with manna from heaven and blew in quail when they got tired of eating the manna, just blew in some quail and, and began to eat quail, quail meat, okay? He locked the jaws of the lions when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, okay? Jesus performed many miracles turning the water into wine, cleansing the leper, raising the dead boy, and also raising his friend Lazarus. So throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see miracle after miracle after miracle. Today we're going to talk about another miracle, and we want to talk about one of the most famous, I believe, in the Bible, the miracles of Jesus, and it's the feeding of the 5,000 people at one time, miraculously, and how he took a little boy's lunch and was able to feed 5,000 and actually... This story is about how God turned a little into a lot. How many of you know God can take something little and turn it into a lot? 
And that's what this story is all about. God can take a little something and turn it into a lot. And that's what this story is all about. There will be times in your life, folks, okay, that God will turn a little into a lot in our lives. You might have a little bit of energy and God could turn it into a lot of energy. Somebody say amen to that. You might have a little bit of talent, and God can turn it into a great talent. You might have a little bit of an opportunity, but God can great, make a great opportunity out of that. You may have a little connection with relationships with people, but God can turn it into a big connection and relationship. You may have a little bit of money, but God can give you a lot of money. Somebody say amen as you invest into him, okay? So many times in your life, God is going to need to turn a little into a lot. You may have a little bit of health this morning, and what you need is great health, and God can give you that. So how does God, how does God turn a little into a lot? And that's what makes a miracle, and that's what a miracle is all about. Jesus never did miracles, let me just say this, to just kind of show off. He didn't do that. He was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. You know, in other words, he didn't act in the son of God power. He acted in the same power that's available to you and I today, okay? In other words, he didn't, he didn't, the devil wanted him to react in that kind of power. If you, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. You know, and don't tempt the Lord thy God. In other words, he didn't use that power, okay? So he didn't do miracles just to show off, okay? I want you to know that. So every miracle is to teach a spiritual truth, and every miracle was was there to show the disciples and those that he was teaching about the principles and the power of God. And the spiritual truth of Jesus feeding the 5,000 was to show how to prepare for a miracle where God turns a little into a lot. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, think about that. This miracle is so important that it's the only miracle that Jesus it was told about four times in the Bible. Matter of fact, Matthew told it. Matthew, Mark told it. Then, and John told it. Then Luke told it. In other words, this story was told by all four of the gospel authors, okay? And there was 5,000 people who saw it. When God tells you something four times, pay attention. Somebody say amen. Hey, if he's going to tell you something four times, you better listen. You better scoot up a little bit and listen and try to learn what he's trying to say to us. So here's the story. The disciples, they come to Jesus and they said, Lord, it's late in the day and everybody's hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. Now, sometimes God speaks to me and sometimes God speaks to you. And, 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 and you know what? I've never heard an audible voice. I've never heard, but you know what? I have heard that, that little voice inside of me. I, I can sense inside of me that God is speaking or in my mind and God is speaking and, and that, that has been confirmed over and over and over. In other words, God does speak to us. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus said, my sheep, will, my, my people, my sheep will know my voice, okay? So he does talk to us, okay? So the disciples responded, Lord, that's impossible. That's impossible to feed all these people. You know, McDonald's shut down around here. Come on, somebody. There's no McDonald's around here. We, can, we can't do that, okay? We can't do that, Lord. It's physically and humanly impossible for us 12 people to feed 5,000. It's not here, Lord. There's, where are we going to get kind of food to feed 5,000 people? Now, I don't know if you, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, I've been some of the promise keepers. Joe used with me there and some of those in Washington, D.C. And how in the world they feed a million men. They did it, didn't they? I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, to, to do that is really something. And where do you get the food to begin with? So it was, it, was, it was humanly and physically impossible for that to happen. What's going on here? Jesus is going to perform a miracle. And you say, why? To teach us the four steps are keys to preparing us 
for miracles in our lives. See, God's going to tell you to do something at times. And, it's, and, you know, and here's the thing. I believe we're all ministers. Now, we're not all pastors. We're not all called up here. I'm not saying that. But I believe that if you are a Christian, you are, a, you know, God has gifted you in ways that you can be beneficial to the kingdom of God. If you believe that, say amen. And God can use you to, to minister to other, other people. You can be a witness. So we can learn from that. So here's step number one, key number one. Number one, write this down. If we want a miracle in our lives, confess you have an impossible situation. You've got to come to the place where you confess, admit, confess that you have an impossible situation. That's easy for some of us, uh, you know, but you don't need to let your request be known to God. So step number one for a miracle to happen is you've got to face it or state your impossible situation. Let me be real blunt. If you don't have an impossible situation, you don't need a miracle. In other words, if you can do it, God will let you do it. Okay? And, and you know, but you know, if you want, if you need God to intervene and, and do something miraculous, then you have to believe for that. And, 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 and God wants you to do that at times. If you have a solvable problem, then solve it. Just go ahead and solve it. Now, if I'm overweight, let me give you an illustration in which I am right now. And, and you know what? I could just say, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to weigh uh, X amount of pounds. And Lord, just, yeah, just slap me on the head and let me weigh that amount of weight. And God's not going to do that. God's going to say, you know what? You could do that yourself if you just wouldn't eat so much. So I'm listening to the Lord, and, and so I'm dieting, and I'm trying to get down to the weight I want to get down to. So you know what? We can do that. That's doable. Everybody say doable. We can do that. You know, you want your weight a certain, you know. And some, you know, some people, they're, they're not overweight. They're underweight, you know. So they have to eat a little more and get more in their diet where they can be the weight that they want to be. So, you know, here's the thing that we need to understand. Uh, You've got to confess that you have an impossible situation before God intervenes. A lot of times, we want miracles when God says, no, uh, you're overspending. You, you, you don't need a, a miracle. What you need to do is you need a budget. You need to begin to watch your spending. You know, to some people, it doesn't matter how much money they had, they would spend it. How many of you have ever heard of some of those people that's won the lottery, and after three or four years, they're broke again? In other words, they, they got all kinds of money, but they didn't know what to do with it when they got it. You got to have a budget. You got to have a spending plan. You got to understand that. The reason you're in so much debt is uh, you're overspending, okay? So God could get you out of debt, but you're going to get right back in debt if you don't have some kind of plan in your life. So we need to understand that. So the first step is confess you have an impossible situation. Let's look at the story this morning. Very interesting. Uh, and uh, as we look at it this morning, in Mark chapter 6, and the story goes, when Jesus, everybody say, when Jesus. When Jesus, when Jesus saw a large crowd, notice this, he had compassion on them. There's one thing about Jesus that's different from, from us many times, is Jesus always had compassion, and sometimes, you know, we have to be prayed up to have the compassion. Somebody say Amen. I mean, in other words, we have it at times and times we don't. But he had compassion on them. Notice this. So he began teaching them. He began teaching them. He had compassion. Now, he could have done anything right there. He could have just met their needs. But, you know, he began teaching. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you can buy a person a fish dinner, but if you teach him how to fish, he's going to have a lot of dinners. 
So, so this is the principle here. So by the time it was late in the day, so his disciples came and said, this is a remote place. Send the people away so they can go and buy something to eat. Now, this is the response of the people. This is the response of the disciples, okay? Send them away. Send them away. I like this, but. But. Everybody say, but. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said that would take eight months of a man's wages. They go all economical right now. Whoa, how in the world would we do that? How many of you know when what you've got in situations you wonder, Lord, I don't know how in the world you're going to do that. Folks, he's God. He can do it. I said, he can do it. We might not be able to do it, but he can. In that verse, notice it. In that passage I just read, we had three typical responses when we have an unsolvable problem in our lives. And we're going to look at it this morning. First one there, you do this. Everybody does it. I do it, you do it, we all do it. We procrastinate. Whoa, procrastinate. Somebody say amen. We pass the buck and we worry. All three of these things we're going to talk about. First, we procrastinate. When we have a problem we can't solve, we keep putting it off. Has anybody ever done that beside me? You have this big thing coming up and you just, you just keep putting it off, you know. Instead of grabbing the bull by the horn and taking it to the ground, you, do, you put the problem, you put the situation, you procrastinate. I'm guilty of it. You are too. We know we need to solve it, but we don't know how to solve it, so we just keep putting it off. It's called delay. And, and, and in the business term, we, we punt the ball. You know, we punt it and, you know, we put it back down on that end of the court. We don't want to deal with it right now. It's like we're punting this thing. Well, we don't want to deal with that. How are we going to deal with that, Okay. We look for other ways, okay? The phrase in this passage, look at it. By the time it was late in the day, by the time it was late in the day, they were procrastinating. They could have done something earlier in the day, but they didn't. They procrastinated. They had all day to figure it out to serve these 5,000 people, but no, they didn't, okay? They didn't do that. They could have, you know, called Pizza Hut or something, you know. They had all day to figure it out, but they didn't do anything. Procrastination only makes a problem worse in your life. Can I get a witness? Amen. Now, don't shout me down now. If you have cancer, deal with it now. Don't put your head in the sand like it's not there. If you have cancer, you have cancer. Now, let me just say, if you have cancer and you have a situation like that or a health problem like that, you've got to deal with it, okay? And there's many ways to deal with it. You know, first of all, you need to take it before the Lord and ask God to heal you. Somebody say amen. Somebody said, well, you know, if God wants to heal me, he probably will. No, he won't. He won't until you ask him to. The Bible says, asking it shall be. Seeking you shall. Knocking it shall be. See, there's a, a procedure in what we do when we ask God. See, God's trying to teach us something. And when we get into that flow that we understand that and we begin to ask God, God gives us those things that we need. So procrastination only makes a problem worse in your life. Okay, procrastination has never solved a problem. It only makes it worse. What problem have you been procrastinating over? That would be the question for you this morning. Is there something that you've been procrastinating over in your, okay, what problem are you uh, prevent, you know, pretending isn't in your life? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your body, maybe in your finances, and we procrastinate. Everybody say, we procrastinate. 
Second thing, write this down. We pass the buck, okay? What we do is we blame other people. It's easier to point the finger towards others. It's, it's not really my problem. It's her problem. It's their problem. It's, you know, and we pass the buck. It's not, it's their fault. We, we blame others. We spell blame B. L-A-M-E, okay? Every time you blame, you are being lame. Come on, somebody. You're being lame, being lame, okay? So the disciples said, send the people away. What are they doing? They're passing off the responsibility. We didn't invite these guys to come out here. Let them, you know, get their own food. In other words, they're passing the buck, okay? It's not my problem, okay? It's not my problem, so they pass the buck. The third thing is we worry. We begin to wring our hands, and we worry, and we fret, okay? We stew, we get anxious, we get stressed out. Her sister said that this morning in her situation. She was so stressed out. She was sick. She was physically sick. How many of you would agree that stress can make you physically sick? Let me see your hand. Folks, it will. Stress is, is bad for you. And it releases things, you know, chemically in your body, and it's going to, you know, affect you in a negative way. You don't need stress in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. We need to believe God for healing. Hallelujah. You know what? I tell you what, when one goes around smiling and you have the joy of the Lord, it's a very healthy thing. Somebody say amen. amen. Yes. Glory to God. <laughs> Think about it. We worry. We fret. Uh, Lord, it would take eight months' wages. That's what they said. It, it, it'd take eight months' wages uh, to, to feed these people. The disciples anxiously gets in, into overdrive. Their anxiety gets into overdrive, okay? They start the cost analysis and how they ever going to, you know, import the food and, and keep it hot and how are we going to clean up this mess? Uh, what about health permits? And what about liability and insurance? See, their minds are just going in overdrive. We worry, we worry, we worry, we worry, we fret. When what we need to do is give it to God. And Jesus said, cast all of your cares, you know, the scripture I should say, cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. So you cast it on the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's the point. They procrastinated, they passed the buck, and they're worrying. Now, what's the problem with this picture? What's the problem with the picture of all this going on? They are standing right next to Jesus. They're standing next to Jesus when all this is going on. Folks, I'll tell you what, if Jesus was with me, I'd just say, hey, we can do anything. I can do anything. I can do anything, you know. I mean, how many of you have ever in a situation, I I remember, you know, in school when I was a a little guy, you know, in school, you know, and and, and I'd be by myself, I'd be a little timid. But, buddy, when my big brother come along, I put out my chest. (laughs) Are you catching my drift? I mean, we're like, hey, you know, I'm okay. I got my brother with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the problem with the picture was they're standing next to Jesus. <laughs> hey, this, he, he's the son of God, you know. He'd already raised the dead. He's already done all kinds. He turned the water into wine at Canaan a little in a mar- for a marriage, you know, uh, you know, a wedding, okay. So why wouldn't he do something about this situation? He was there. Jesus can easily, he could have turned stones into bread if he wanted to, okay? He could have done all that. They're standing right next to him, okay? They're standing right there. So what's going on here? Jesus said, feed them. And they say, Lord, that's practically, financially, and humanly impossible. So here's the question. Here's the question. 
Has God ever asked you to do something impossible? Has God ever asked you to do something that's beyond your means? Has God ever asked you to do something impossible? He know he God loves to do that. God loves to give us give us something to do that's that's beyond our reach. Now you know if you can do it, it it's you doing it. How many of you know that? But but how many of you know we need the anointing and we need the power of God behind us to do the things of God. Lord, think about this. You go, Lord. I don't have the time. Here's what you say, Lord. I don't have the time. Lord, I don't have the money. Lord, I don't have the energy. I don't have the education. When God tells us to do something like that, I, I can't do that. You see, that's what Moses did all, all through the Bible. You see, the, uh, the, the, the men of God, the, they did the same thing. I, Lord, I can't do that. I'm slow of speech. I can't go down and talk to Pharaoh. I can't. And then God said, all right, take your brother Aaron with you. Let him do the talking. But you need to go. Come on, somebody. You know, God didn't want, you know, that to happen, but that's what Moses wanted, so God just allowed it to happen. You know, God is on our side. So, Moses, I, I want you to do this. Uh, not me, not me. Jeremiah, uh, why me? He says, why me? And, and you've got to be like I, Isaiah and say, use me, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Somebody say amen. That's what we need to have within us, okay? So, point number one. Point number two, write this down. Offer to God what little I already have. See, God wants what you have. God wants what you have. God wants your talent. God wants the talent that you have. You say, well, I can't do this. Well, you can do so much of it, and then God can do the rest. Somebody say amen. You can give so much of this, and then God can do the rest. Somebody say amen. That's what we need to do. So Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to do a, a little reconnaissance. Go out and see if anybody's got any lunches. And he says, well, how many loaves do you have? And they found out and said, there's five small loaves of bread and two fishes. And we found a little boy that has a lunch and a sack, a little sack lunch. Now, folks, let me just say this. If there was a little boy in the crowd that had a little sack lunch that God was going to use, how many of you know there's probably many more that was hiding it? They was probably hiding their lunch. Oh, you ain't getting my lunch. Oh, no, not my lunch. Oh, it's hot out here. That's my water. Come on, somebody. I, no, no, no. There was probably a lot more than that, but they found the little boy that was willing. Everybody say willing. The little boy that was willing to give up his lunch. So the second principle of the miracle is this. God always starts with what you have. What do you have? What's in your hand? With Moses, what's in your hand? It's a staff. Cast it on the ground. It becomes a snake. It becomes a, a, a sign, a power of God, you know, in, in, with Moses. Now, it may not be much, but you give it to God, okay? God, I don't have much, but here is my time. God, I don't have much finances, but here's my finances. God, I don't have much talent, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. And you, on a scale of 1 to 10, you may be a 1 or a 2. You may be on the left side. But God, you know, you say, God, I, I'm, I'm going to give you that. You know, God can take that one or two and make a five out of it. Come on, somebody. When you invest it into the kingdom of God. God, I give you everything in my life. I give you my reputation. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my past. I give you everything. I give you my present. I give you my future. Uh, it, it isn't much, but I'm going to give you it, Lord. And the little boy said, I'm going to give you my five loaves and two fishes. Now, look at John chapter 6. It's interesting that God always starts with what I had. John chapter 6, 6 tells of a little detail of the story, and he says, Jesus asked this, how many loaves do you have out there? 
Notice this. It's in your, in your notes. Only, help me out, to test them. Everybody say to test them. Say to test them. See, there's things that God will ask you to do, and God is testing you. You know, I, uh, my time at UTS, I graduated from United Theological Seminary, and some of my professors, one sitting back there, you know, sometimes there was a test. Everybody say a test. Now, they didn't give you a test because they didn't like you. They give you a test to see what you know, see what you're learning. Can I get a witness? How many of you know when the teacher comes in the room and says, all right, close your books, we're having a, a pop quiz. Come on, somebody. It's like, oh, that teacher hates me. No, 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 no. Just going to find out what you know. The test is on to see where you are. Only to test them. Only to test them. See, God wants to see. You know, God is more concerned about your character than he is your charisma. He's, only, he's more concerned about what's in you, okay, who, who you are all about. You need to understand that. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. He wasn't sweating it. When God asks you to do the impossible, folks, he's not sweating anything. All right, he's there with you. Now, he may not be standing there with you physically like he was with the disciples, but how many of you know where two or three are gathered together in my name? Somebody said it this morning. Jesus said, Jesus said, I will be in the midst of you. So you're, you're, not, you're not by yourself. How many of you know that he walks with me and he walks with you? He talks with us. He sits with us. He's with us. Jesus said, I'll, I'll go with you always, even to the end of the age. So is he with us this morning? Can he do everything today? Woo. God always has the answer. Even before I know the problem. <laughs> I don't even know there's a problem out there. God says, well, I got the answer before that. Oh, I'm, I'm in good hands. Number three, write this down. We're going to get them all in. Give your all in the hands of God. I give it all in the hands of God. In John's account here, I want you to notice this, of this miracle. It tells us this little detail. That the disciple Andrew finds this little boy who had brought a sack lunch. Look at it again. His mom had packed him a sack lunch. It wasn't much. Five little barley loaves, muffins, maybe a couple of sardines. Anybody know what a sardine is? You know, my wife said maybe, I, you know, my wife and I have been talking. Maybe I already explained myself. Let me ask, how many of you know what a sardine is? Let me see your hands. Okay. Look, look at the ones that are raising their hands are all old people. And I'm raising mine too, okay? <laughs> I'm raising mine too. Because <laughs> we know what a sardine is. Do you, know, do you know what a sardine is? Okay. How many young people know what a sardine is? Okay. Somebody, okay. Some of you do. Okay. Maybe I'm not, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, I've ate one before, but it's been a long time ago. I'm not eating those things anymore. I, I, I think it's the whole fish, isn't it? They put the whole fish, the whole thing in the head and all that. I went to Israel. When I was in Israel, you know, visiting Israel, they brought me a fish dinner out, and I looked at it, and the head and everything on it, I thought, I, I believe that fish winked at me, you know. I thought, no way, man. I'm not eating that thing. I, I, whoa, I, I think it's still alive. I'm poking that thing. Whoa, whoa, man, take it away. I'm not eating that 
fish with a head on it? Oh, my goodness. Well, if you ate a sardine, you did. Come on, somebody. So that's kind of what it was. It's all right to have fun in church. Somebody say amen. amen. Notice in verse 41. Then the Bible says, verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he blessed the food, and he broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. Folks, a miracle was happening. Miracle was happening here. Here's the third principle. God will use whatever I give him, whatever I can put in his hand. So it may not be much, but if I give what I have, if I give my energy, if I give my effort, if I give my time, if I give my talent, God will use it for his glory. Somebody say amen. The little boy gave. He gave willingly. He gave cheerfully. Think about it. In your notes there, immediately, which are the keys to a miracle. Because, you know, you know, when we're giving, you know, God says don't give grudgingly or necessity. What kind of, what kind of giver does God love? Cheerful. I can't hear you. Cheerful. A little hard of hearing this morning. Cheerful. Cheerful giver. We give because we want to give. I give because I get to give. Hallelujah. You know, if I'm giving something, that means God's blessed me. It means God's blessing me. And, I, you know, so, so, so we want to do that. So th- that was the key to the miracle. This little boy gives willingly, no hesitation. He didn't grumble. He didn't complain. He didn't get worried about it. He gave. Number four, write this down. The fourth key, wait for God to multiply it. In other words, expect a miracle. Now, when I first heard this phrase, when I was a young minister, I heard Oral Roberts say this, and, and, and he, he said, expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. And I'm thinking, well, expect a miracle. I don't know what that's all about. And I, I began to move in a little bit and, 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 and begin to understand what he was saying. A miracle is something beyond where you are to where you want to be. A miracle is a breakthrough. A miracle is something creative that God does. And how many of you know we have to have an expectation for miracles? They asked a question to Oral Roberts. What is the secret to you coming to these, uh, these cities across America and with this big tent and you're filling all these people, you know, filling it up with people and these people getting healed? What is your secret? What is your secret? And you know what he said? He said, the people come with an expectation. And if you expect something, you can get something. Somebody say amen. amen. So it's an expectation. So, so, so let, let, let's, just, let's just kind of peel the onion this morning. Let's, let's look, see what, that looks, look, uh, you know, what that's all about. I give whatever I have. I give it in the hands of God. And then, and then, and then I expect God to multiply it. I, I, I wait upon the Lord to see what God is going to do. I begin to wait and believe in God while I'm waiting. I'm just believing God. I'm not wringing my hands. I'm not fretting. I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm just saying, God, I trust you. I believe you. And notice what happens in Mark 6, 42. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Say it again. Everyone. One more time. Everyone, everyone ate. That's 5,000. And had enough. And afterwards, they collected 12 baskets Full of leftovers. Anybody like leftovers? I like leftovers. Twelve basket full of leftovers. Wow. So the fourth principle, you might write this down. Whatever I give, I always get back more. Whatever I give, I always get back more. That's the principle of God. 
That's a principle of giving. You know, give, in other words, you know, what, what do you have you invest in? You give your little talent, God can make you a great talent. Come on, somebody. You give your little, God gives you a lot. God blesses you. So the little boy ends up with more than he started with. And here's the point of the lesson. God likes to do miracles through people, not independently. He likes to work with people. Now, God can do anything he wanted to do, but let me tell you something. He doesn't do it independently. He likes to link up with you and me. Somebody say amen to that. And that's how miracles come about, okay? Not independently that God just, you know, somebody said, you know, what's with all the wars and all this? You know, God could, God, you know, if God is God, he should stop all this and stop all the killings. And You know what? God could do all of that in 15 minutes. It would be right back where it was before because we would get it right back there. You hear me this morning? So he doesn't work independently. He works with us, okay? We wait for God to do for us. God is waiting to do through, through us. So one of the first miracles, you know, again, let me just give you this scripture. Matter of fact, let's go to that last one. Let's go to the last one, if you would. I want you to see this. I want you, now, this is very important. And this just speaks of the death of Jesus, you know, and, and, but, but I want you to look at this, uh, the words of Jesus. A kernel of wheat must be given away and planted in the soil unless it dies and is buried. Now, folks, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me just stop right here. What's this got to do with your miracle? You know, when I take something out of my hand and I put it into the hand of God. You're not God, but you're just, we're, you know. When once I give it, I don't come after church and want that back. You can have it. Yeah. She's got a piece of candy, okay, if you want to know. You plant it. It leaves your hand. You don't have it anymore. It's gone. But it's not gone. It's invested. It's in, I said it's invested. It's died as far as you're concerned, but you don't have it no more. See, I won't get to eat that sweet. You will. Oh, you're already eating it. Oh, in church, too. Oh, shame on Pray for you. You're just like your daughter, Lily. That's what you are. <laughs> Somebody told me, he said, uh, talking about my son, Josh, I went to visit him when he was at uh, high school, dating Christian, when he, about the 10th grade or something like that. And I walked in, and one of the teenagers there said, Hey, you look just like Josh Grimes. I said, No, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. I said, No, I don't. He looks like me. I was here first. Let's finish reading it. A kernel of wheat must be given away and planted in the soil unless it dies and is buried. It remains a single seed. But its death will produce many more seeds and a great harvest. See, a farmer knows the principle, the principle of God. He takes a little grain of corn and he plants it in the ground or a little a piece of spud of a potato into the ground and he gets all kinds of potatoes. He gets, you know, he doesn't just get one kernel of corn back. He gets several ears of corn or whatever that grows and they've got many, many kernels of corn on that. Somebody say amen. amen. 
That's what they get back. So we want the miracles. We're going to, how do we get our miracles? And God said to Moses, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. Give it to God. God will use that for a miracle. So we're going to pray for you this morning. And we're going to believe God for you. And some of you need a miracle. But let me just say this. The greatest, Jacob, would you come back? The greatest miracle of all times is when one gives their heart to Jesus Christ. And it's a supernatural thing that happens. Because the Bible says that you're born again. And even Nicodemus said, Lord, how could that be? I'm going back in my mother's womb. No, no, no. We're not talking about a physical. We're talking about a spiritual birth. You're born again. 